You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. My guest today is Charlie Hall, here to talk about his review of Fortnite. My name is Justin McElroy, and you're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Welcome to you, Charlie Hall, to our program, I guess, most accurately, our program that we share together. (laughs) It is nice to be with you here on our program. (laughs) Now, Charlie, I've only prepared one question, um, but I think it should just about get us through the entire episode. So I'll just kind of ask it and then kick back for a while, go make myself a mixed drink. Charlie, what is Fortnite? Oh boy, howdy. It is, I kind of, I enjoyed this line I put into my review. It is the Willy Wonka three course dinner chewing gum of video games. It is, it is all things to all people. So Fortnite at its core is, is a base defense game. Think orcs must die. Think, uh, think the horde mode from Gears of War. uh, The enemies are called husks. Uh, and they come at you from one or more sides, and you must take them down. From there, it gets pretty complicated. Um, there's four basic classes. There's a melee class called a ninja, kind of a, a spellcaster almost, called an outlander. There's a soldier that plays with guns. And there's a constructor that builds, well, forts, builds walls, windows, and barricades, and traps. And between those four classes, you kind of set up your structure to defeat the onrushing horde of husks. Um, But also hidden behind it all, there's this really intricate skill tree that looks like ripped from the most elaborate Paradox 4X strategy game out there. And there's also a kind of collectible card game. And then there's like a loot system, like in Hearthstone. Like it's it's all over the place, Justin. (sighs) Sorry, I had a mild aneurysm, but I'm back now. And uh, I'm I'm ready to talk more about Fortnite. It sounds pretty overwhelming, Charlie. How did you feel when you first started to wade in? And obviously you would be doing this fairly early. I know the game's kind of been in and out of developments and beta for the past five, six years or so, I guess, at this point. Because it was announced in 2011? Yeah, 2011. This thing, apparently it's been in a playable early alpha friends and family kind of thing for almost two years. What kind of available resources launch. are out there now? Because usually, you know, when it once a game's been released for a while, there's there's some some helping hands out there. Well, but they really kind of bolted some of the metagame on a little late, so a lot of folks, including myself, were adrift for a little while. But um, it is. It is difficult to understate how much I disliked my first 15 hours with this game. Um, it, it not only bored me to tears, but it physically hurt me. I had to stop playing with a mouse and keyboard because of like repetitive stress type pains in my wrists and hands. It's just so much clicking on the husks and the cutting and the shooting and the moving and the... <sighs> but then, then like... About about 15 or 20 hours in, it really kind of flashed over. And it, 
it's sad to say that it's kind of got its hooks in me now, Justin. I'm really enjoying myself. <laughs> Do you have a, is there a moment you remember where you're just sitting around not playing? And you thought, oh, that's weird. I'd kind of like to play some more Fortnite. It's, it's when all this back end collectible and skills tree stuff really blossomed for me that I started, that I started to get into it. Like I want to unlock more powerful characters and collect epic characters and get them to the stage where I can use their more powerful abilities. And so it all comes down to this, this collectible card game on the back end. And I've mentioned that once or twice, but what it is, the conceit of the game is you are the commander, right? Kind of like XCOM style, and you are in charge of your home base. My home base is called Wrigley Field because, but of course, 1060 West Addison. And so Wrigley Field has a bunch of heroes, and you kind of take those heroes out for a drive whenever you go onto a mission, and that's your ninja and your constructor and all that. But then in the background, there are all these survivors, and that's where that collectible card game comes in. And so you have to find a leader survivor and match the personality of that leader to their subordinates to create like a little fire team alpha or an EMT squad or a, uh, a, a group of scouts. And the better you create and kind of do care and feeding of those individual squads, the better your perks are in game. This is kind of, it's kind of your stat sheet. You boost your stats by collecting and taking care of survivors back at your home base. And the, the, what's really interesting, though, is that in order to level everything in the game up, you essentially have to put it into a wood chipper. Okay. So you've got great weapons. You've got great blueprints for weapons. You've got great survivors. You've got really fun heroes. If you want to level up those few that you actually use from day to day, you have to take the other ones and burn them down for experience, burn them down for special resources in order to level up those few trinkets that you actually use in game. And, you know, it, it's this Sophie's Choice kind of thing with, you know, I've got this one epic survivor that I want to put into my uh, fire team squad so I can boost my attack rating, but they're worth so much experience if i grind them down i can not have to grind down and, and retire i guess is the proper phrase three or four other survivors and i can hang on to them instead and so i really got into this metagame of of just creating all the different squads and i, I kind of like it justin god help you charlie um i gotta say it's i've heard this game talked about on several different um podcasts and read your review and listen to you talk now and what's hard is that even when people are enjoying it, it just sounds so unappealing to me. And I don't know if it's a personal thing, but I, I, I have yet to hear like, and maybe you can sort of elucidate this for me, which is that like the core fun loop, like that is actually fun to do. Does it have that? Or is it just a bunch of, a bunch of hooks? The, the core loop is it's just cutting up husks and husks are these you know humans that have been struck by lightning the storm overhead and and turned into what what essentially is a zombie they kind of wear their victims like a hoodie dangling their face around the back of their neck it sounds awful but it's adorable and but the core loop is going through that and just chopping them up and working together the part that i really enjoy the most though is the exploration piece and I don't know. I'm a weird man, but it's probably one of the more boring parts of the game. Okay. <laughs> every, every time that you come to a map, 
you're just kind of unceremoniously dropped into the map. All the maps are procedurally generated and you can just look around. So if you find yourself in an urban area, then, uh, you know, there's like maybe a little fire station that you can explore. There's a ruined building. There's a perfectly uh, immaculate building. There may be a little uh, burger joint and all the assets and all the environments that are created procedurally, they're really fun to, to move around in. There's also these little construction challenges that you'll stumble upon where you have to, to quickly build a, a three-story radar dish, or there might be a little mini game that you uncover where you have to play a whack-a-mole on the ground. But it's, it's all literally in search of these treasure chests and kind of moving around these environments and using the construction system to build ramps and staircases and just kind of exploring all the nooks and crannies I kind of enjoyed it. It just, it goes on too long. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't need to do it for as long as they make me do it. Right. There should be more incentives for me to, to do it together with other players. Right now it's a very selfish game loop. Like literally the four people on the map just go their separate ways and it's a foot race to get the loot first. And then somebody gets bored and, and launches the end game, which is this horde mode onrush of husks. Um, so yeah, I, I just like, I like moving around and finding things and exploring the environment more than I, I do actually playing the, the game part. Um, overall, I would say, and, and, and I, I would love the score into this, your review is, of this game is positive. Um, but like, to what extent, if, if I was just to average you off the street asking you, hey, should I play Fortnite? Um, obviously there's good stuff once you get in deep, but how many layers of like... Um, caution would you put uh many layers of caution tape would you put around this experience as it stands currently is this the time right this minute to get into Fortnite, or is it maybe worth hanging back and seeing how things play out i would absolutely not buy Fortnite right now and i would put i would put precisely three layers of caution tape around it layer number one this is a free-to-play game or at least it will be a free-to-play game when it comes out of early access next year. It's being sold right now, though, Justin. You can walk into Target or Walmart and buy this off the shelf. It's very unusual. That's not early access. I refuse to let those words lose meaning. That is not early access. It's Call it disingenuous. Call it whatever you want. I'll call that's it a retail title that is available at Walmart is what I'll call it, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's layer of caution tape number one spend 40 bucks on a game that will eventually be free not not this guy uh layer number two is uh well it's it's super not finished yet the early game sucks it is not enjoyable in the least it is i think in my review i said it the the difficulty curve is so low you could roll over it with a stroller it's just like you could stand there and not do anything and the level will finish and so in that way, the first 15 to 20 hours, not great. But also layer number three, it's got this loot mechanic, right? You can give them actual ass American dollars and buy loot crates in the, the shape of sentient uh, llama-shaped pinatas. But we can talk about that later. But these loot crates, you know, they're four or five bucks. You're going to dump in and get a couple of them back. All that loot could be nerfed tomorrow. They could completely change the makeup of what comes in these loot crates. It's it's completely up in the air. And I, I can't recommend that somebody spend money on a game that's that's going to change that much. How do you as a reviewer sort of fold that in? Because uh, we used to at Polygon, we used to um, be pretty diligent about updating reviews uh, as games evolved and just the 
number of games and the amount of labor that required, we've, we've generally moved away from that. Um, how, how much sort of forward looking do you try to do when you're um, writing a review for a game like this? Well, it's, it's, it's probably the second or third early access game that I've reviewed for Polygon. And I always try and sprinkle those reviews with the fact that it's in early access. I try and get that information up as high as possible. I try and include it again at the end, as close to the score we're going to give it, along with the promise that I'm going to come back and play this game again and touch this product again and tell people how it's evolved. And I, I aim to do just that. Um, also, all of our social media hits included the fact that it's in early access, that it's been long anticipated. So we try and, you know, other than literally put a banner at the top that says early access review, we try and make that really apparent to our readers. And I think that uh, uh, Phil and Arthur do a, do a good job at that. Uh, we have got a bunch of questions from listeners, but first I want to take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor for this week. It's ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Uh, do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Uh, probably not. And that's why I'm here. Employment expert, Justin T. McElroy, to tell you about ZipRecruiter, where you can post up your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. There's no juggling emails or calls to your office. You just screen the candidates, you rate them, and you manage them all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy to use dashboard. Now, you can find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. There's no reason not to give this a shot. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash control. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash control to try it for free. Uh, now, Charlie, I promise questions from the audience, and I am a man of my word. This first one comes to us from um, beloved cartoonist Scott Kurtz, who asks, why won't they let us craft items in the headquarters? Why do I have to wait until I'm in a mission? Now, Charlie, I don't know, I, dude. I, I know I you didn't design the game, but Scott wants answers. <laughs> no, that's dumb. I'm with Scott. I just, I would love to be able to do some more of that micromanagement in 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 the base i, I have absolutely no idea why they made that decision but but again i said <laughs> you are unceremoniously dropped into the level at the beginning of each mission and yeah just stand there and craft a couple of items real quick before you start playing the game i don't know scott your guess is as good as mine i expect that to change i've got more angry consumers here charlie demanding why questions about this game you designed why isn't there easy access to see what crafting materials i own it took me forever to figure out what parts i needed for a gun I would encourage that person to spend a little more time with the UI. It's not all that hard to figure out. But yeah, I, I strongly recommend using using a controller. I think that this thing, um, they spend a lot more time in the UI for controllers than they did for a keyboard and mouse. And it, 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 it was slightly easier for me to get my head around uh, once I made the switch and also far less painful. Now, this is interesting. This is from Daxter, and it kind of tacks into what we had talked about uh, just a second ago. How do you feel about the... Um transparency of the skills stats and other mechanics why is the console ui clunky so maybe this is a platform issue these this ui thing because i you played on pc unless i miss my guess the 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 ui is clunky right like i i don't mean to make assumptions about the game right but you can see a scenario where they built a game right and, and they had a game that was ready to release as a full $60 product, 
and then maybe they got the idea to rip it apart and rebuild it into a free-to-play game, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why some of this UI is weird. Maybe there's another reason. But also, it's still in early access. It is not finished, and yeah, it's it's pretty clunky. Um, in particular, what's clunky is the um, the, the uh, technology tree. Like, it is not immediately apparent that you need to go down certain branches of the technology tree just to let your heroes do their their ultimate moves, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you can't use this epic hero that you collected or got in a loot crate for cash money. You can't use their ultimate power until you go down the research tree in a particular direction. And mm -hmm. I didn't figure that out until well into the game. So, yeah, I mean... It, it takes some some doing, and hopefully that's something that'll iron out in early access. Justin and Kelsey had similar questions. Uh, this seems like the ideal game to play with a group of friends, but is it worth getting for a single-player experience? I had a great time uh, playing single-player. The thing is, very rarely can you uh, force the game to just let you play single-player. It, it really encourages you just to jump in with the four other randos. Mm -hmm. um, and my experiences to that end, or three other randos, my experiences with random players were perfectly fine in that the game has absolutely no uh, voiceover built in. Like, you're not going to hear from these people. They're just going to run around and, and hopefully help you out as you go. But yeah, you can flip a switch and just do single-player. I just... I don't know. It's it's not nearly as much fun. Absolutely go for multiplayer on this one. Now, this is you're you're not a game designer, Charlie, but uh so I always caution people when we address questions like this, but I think it's an interesting one to ask. What mechanic this is from uh Cool Trainer. Uh what mechanics would you want to see added to break up the monotony or do you think they should just abandon ones they already have? So that's an interesting question with a game like Fortnite, which is so cluttered with different systems, what have you. Do you think the path forward for Fortnite is bolting more things on, or is it more a question of editing? It absolutely needs a hub zone. And what I mean by a hub zone is I want to be able to go to Wrigley Field, my home base, whenever the heck I want to. And I want to be able to tinker with it and rebuild it. But I also want to see all these little survivors running around, right? I want there to be some presence of the game's conceit. Um, I think the, the ladies over on the Polygon show were talking about this a few episodes back, but just, you know, a beach level where you could just kind of hang out and chill and be mm -hmm. at rest with your heroes. It needs that kind of a hub world just to break up the monotony and give you the opportunity to do things like check the resources you need to build X and then the ability to build X and make it look shiny and pretty. Even if it's just on like an Elder Scrolls level where you're whacking at a table and a, and a new sword falls out. I, I think that would be an addition. Uh, Charlie, have you ever played, uh, reviewed a game where you, it got a decent score, but you would encourage people to not necessarily rush out and play it? Did uh, yeah, I've reviewed Arma. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of games out there um, that I don't that I think are not for everybody, um, but I think Fortnite shows a lot of potential, and I think if they can speed up the early game and if they can work the UI and, and add some quality of life things, that it's that it's going to be good. But it's also just it's it does so much well um, that I think the the score that we gave it is is valid. But I think that you have to hedge that against the fact that it's it's an it's a free to play game, 
that's currently not free, and that makes it weird. And I think I spoke about that in the review to an extent that I'm, I'm comfortable with. So There's, I don't know. It's weird. It's very weird. You know, the weirdest thing to me is it seems like if this game is going to, like, it, it seems like there could be a, a core of fun in here somewhere. There obviously is um, that's so sort of muddied by other choices. But we're in a landscape right now. Like, this year has been amazing in terms of, of multiplayer and single-player games. I, I worry that by the time this sort of finds its footing, everyone will have uh, moved on. Do you, you think that's a fair fear from, from where you sit? Oh, yeah. If I was Epic, I'd be terrified of that. This, you know, it, it didn't make a huge bump in, in people's, you know, social media feeds that I was able to see. To see. And I kind of used that to kind of take the weather forecast of what people are playing. And, you know, it was there for about a week and, and now, it's, now it's not anymore. And it's certainly, um, I haven't checked Twitch lately, but I think it's holding its own in Twitch. And I think that that will be one metric by which Epic looks to the success of this game, right? Is it top of mind for the gaming community? But, you know, one thing that they told me at Judges Week uh, prior to E3, I was, I was a judge for Polygon this year for the E3 Critics' Choice Awards. And one thing they told me was they want to continuously feed new game modes into this game they were they were not joking when they told me that they want some kind of you know player unknowns battlegrounds type mode in this game they want they want all different ways to play this game and so i think that that will be a big test they need to get those new modes out quickly to the community and keep feeding them new experiences because people two days after this game came out people had already run up against what they thought was was an experience wall 50 hours in you know the game's been out 48 hours i've already played 50 hours right <laughs> and i can't get any further the only way forward is to buy more loot crates people were pretty cranky about that but uh, the, the the community is hungry so i don't know we're gonna we're gonna have to see uh, folks, that is going to do it for us this week on Quality Control. You can find Charlie's review at Polygon.com, along with a, a lot of other excellent content for you to enjoy. But uh, I'll leave you to that. And uh, until next week, my name is Justin McElroy. For Charlie Hall, thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Quality Control.